Happy Mother's Day to all our moms in the audience today. We celebrate you. None of us would be here without you. We needed you to do what you did for nine months so we can do what we do for however long following nine months. We've been traveling through the Gospel of John. We've been moseying, that's a cowboy word I learned as a child, to mosey through. We've been moseying through the Gospel of John for the last eight weeks. Today we're going to take a new direction, something called truth. Last Sunday, if you were here, we talked about the red line, and I asked you a bunch of times this same question. Why do you worship? Why do you worship Jesus? Because of what he did, what he's doing, what he's going to do, or do you just worship him because of who he is? You see, I'm trying, the word is trying to reveal to us that there is a man, there was and is and is to come, there is a man. He looks like us. But he has the spirit without limit and the spirit is the presence of God inside of a man and he has no limits and when you grasp that that there was a man walking on the earth who had the fullness the immeasurable fullness of God inside of him then it really won't matter what he does You'll worship him because of who he is. Now, that doesn't take away from what he has done and what he is doing and what he's going to do. It doesn't take away from that at all. It just helps you understand that our worship of Jesus is not based on our circumstances, good or bad. It's based on the reality of his person, who he is. Now, I use that to set up today. When we left the red line last week, which was the topic, the religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus. When I left off last Sunday, the religious leaders had decided it's time to kill this guy. It's time. Why? Why were they plotting to kill him? Because he healed some guy on the Sabbath? No, 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 that's not it. They wanted to kill him because he, a mere man, claimed to be God. He, a mere man, claimed to have that he was the Son of God. Specifically, calling God his Father, making himself equal with God. And they could not accept that truth. There was a truth proclaimed by Jesus that God is my Father. He is in me, I am in him and he has given me the spirit without limit. He's given me himself without limit. And they couldn't accept that truth. Couldn't, couldn't handle it. So let me ask you a question today. Can you accept that truth? Right now, today, can you accept that there was a man named Jesus who was on the earth? He looked like me and you. And he had the spirit, the presence of God without limit inside of him. He was God in the flesh. You know, some people go to church their whole life, and in reality, they still never grasp that single truth. Can you? 
No red lines. No limits. No boundaries. Jesus is going to respond to their unbelief with a very deep and revealing series of truths. Are you ready? Because this gets good and it gets good fast. And I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe in truth? We're living in a generation, in a culture that has eliminated absolute truth. Do you believe in truth? Did you believe, and when I ask that, let me define it. Do you believe that there are some things that are true and there are some things that are not true? There are some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong. Not right. That's what truth is. Do you believe truth? Will you be willing to accept truth if you heard it? As we begin today, 23 times in the New Living Translation of the Gospel of John, Jesus says that. 23 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says that. What? I'll tell you the truth. 23 times in John, just John, he says that. Now, you're going to have to come to the conclusion that I came to. Either you believe that he's telling the truth, or you're calling him a liar. Now, I'm going to tell you, as we approach the scene today, they believe. Jesus says, my father is God. I tell you the truth, I am his son. And they said, you can't be. They rejected his truth. Do you? Here we go. John 5, 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. And, and what was that? In case you weren't here, he had healed a 38-year paralyzed guy on the Sabbath, on a Saturday. They didn't like that. But Jesus replied, my father, my father, <laughs> daddy, God, my father is always working, and so am I, even on Saturdays. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, here it comes, here it comes. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be what? What? Say it out loud. Astonished. Once you know who he is, you'll be astonished. Not, not just that he healed a 38-year paralyzed guy. No, you haven't seen anything yet. Remember, all of this teaching of Jesus is following, I tell you the truth. 23 times in John, Jesus will do one of these, I tell you the truth. Now, now listen, here's where it gets good. When he says, I tell you the truth, it isn't a singular announcement. He follows that by multiple truths inside the announcement of truth. In fact, today, we're going to see about seven of them. He says, I tell you the truth, and then he reveals seven of the truths to see whether or not you believe it's true. Let me, let me list them for you. Jesus says, the Son can do nothing by Himself. 
He's talking about himself. He says the son can do nothing by himself. In other words, let me put it into other words, without the father, I'm just a man. I'm just like you. But with him, I have the spirit without limit. I have him without limit. Number two, he says the son only does what he sees the father doing. He, a man, can see the father's work. He has the spirit, the presence of God inside of him. He says, I can only do what I see the father doing. What Jesus is doing is a direct result of what God's doing in him. Number three, whatever the father does, the son does. They are absolutely connected, inseparable. Number four, the father loves the son and he shows him everything. And you ain't seen nothing yet. You think healing a 38-year paralyzed guy was big? Just hang out with me for a while. It gets better. Now comes the big one. You think you struggled with healing a crippled man on Saturday? Because see, they're already wanting to kill him. And, and it's gonna, he's going to escalate the conversation. Next verse, verse 21. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead. Are you with me? Just as my daddy gives life to those he raises, what? He raises from the dead. Here it comes. So the Son gives life to anyone he wants. You a mere man? You claim to be a life giver? You're a dead raiser? In addition, verse 22, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge. My Father raises people from the dead, and I can too. Now, they were already wanting to kill Him before this happened. They were already, wanting, they were already figuring out how do we do it. How do, we, how do we get rid of this guy? My father raises people from the dead, and I can too. You think this made things better or worse? Finally, number six, if that's not enough, my father judges no one but I, Jesus, I, a man walking around among you, have absolute authority to judge. Pause here and remember why they're wanting to kill him. Why? Let me read it to you again, verse 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he healed that guy on Saturday, but he called God his father, therefore making himself equal with God. These Jewish religious leaders thought they could honor and follow God the Father without believing God the Son. Now, now stay with me. This is big. These Jewish believers, they believed in Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they believed they could worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob without Jesus. We don't need you, Jesus. We're going to get rid of you, Jesus, so we can continue to worship the Father. They thought they could worship God without the Son. They thought they could be children of God and reject the very Son of God. Some things haven't changed very much. 
You see, mankind believes they can still do it today. That you can worship God by rejecting His Son, His one and only Son, the only man who has ever lived on the earth and had the Spirit without limit. We don't need you. We'll just go straight to the Father. We'll just do it with you. Or, let me give you another alternative. Or we'll just say, you know what? There are many ways to God. Jesus is a way to God, but so, uh, so is so is Muhammad. Or, or maybe so is the Eastern religions. Maybe through Buddhism or through Hinduism or through humanism or through whatever. I'll tell you the truth. You can't get to the Father except through the Son. There's only one way. One way. You see, the Jews... They're plotting to kill the one that makes a way to the Father. And there's only one. And Jesus categorically says, no, you can't. It's non-negotiable. No. Next verse, verse 23. So that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. And anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. Do you think these religious people like Jesus more or less after that? After the first I tell you the truth moment, do you think He's winning them over or they're getting more angry? Which one? Why are they trying to kill Him? It's clear. You don't have to guess. Why? Because he, a mere man, claims to be God. He makes himself equal with God. He calls God his Father. That's blasphemy. It is blasphemy if it's not true. But it's not blasphemy if it's true. The answer to that question is based on a simple truth. Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? I look at the room today and I ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is? Once you figure out who Jesus really is, here's my conclusion, just my conclusion. Once you figure out who Jesus really is, worshiping him will never be your problem again. Never, 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 never. Once you stop worshiping him based on your circumstances, or based upon what you think he does or doesn't do to you, for you, and you just realize that he's worthy of your worship simply because of who he is. He is God in the flesh. You won't have any more trouble with this worship idea. If he is the very son of God that tells only the truth because he is truth, then would you, would you listen to him or would you ignore him? If he is the Son of God who only speaks truth, would you listen to him or would you ignore him? If what I hold in my hand is the very Word of God, and in here is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet, would you listen to it or would you ignore it? Well, somebody would say, well, yeah, I'll listen to Jesus, but I just don't believe this is his Word then how in the world would you even know who Jesus is if it wasn't for this? How would you even know? Here are the first six I'll tell you the truth announcements. 
Let's take a test. Do do you accept truth? Number one, my father raises people from the dead, and I, Jesus, can too. Listen, I wouldn't even have to go to number two, three, four, or five, because you know what? I just think this is really big. My father raises people from the dead, and I do too. I'd like to hang out with him. One of these days, you're going to really want to be next to him when when you need that. Number two, the son can do nothing by himself. By himself, he's just a man. The son only does what he sees the father doing. We are so connected. Number four, whatever the father does, the son does. Inseparable. Mirror images of each other. The Colossian letter says that he is the exact exact representation of his being. Jesus is the exact representation of his being. It's like seeing a mirror reflection of the Father in the physical presence of the Son. I tell you the truth. Do you believe this? Number five, the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything, and you ain't seen nothing yet. Number six, Jesus, is, Jesus has the absolute authority to judge. Now, if that's not enough, He does it again what he does what again he says this again i'll tell you the truth verse 24 here comes the second wave who's he talking to people who want him dead why do they want him dead listen don't miss this why they want him dead they have rejected the truth we don't believe you so they're rejecting the truth right here it goes i tell you the truth those who listen to my message and believe Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who listen to my message and believe me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already, it's not that one day you're going to, they have already passed over from death to life. Already done it. Why? By believing you pass over from death to life. Do you believe that? Do you believe this is true? That's why it separates us from the rest of the world. Don't forget, this is a response to the anger about him working on Saturday. All of this is a response to their anger because he healed a 38-year paralyzed guy on the Sabbath day, on a Saturday. Then he gives them the truth number seven and number eight. Did you hear him? Believe in my message, you'll have eternal life. Listen and you will listen and believe and you'll live forever. It's got to be harder than that, right? Come on, come on. That's not it. I tell you the truth. Listen and believe. Listen and believe. Listen and believe, and you'll have eternal life. Number eight, forgiveness of sins. There is a way. Forgiveness of sins is, is passing from death to life. It's not it will produce that. No, no, no. No, it already does it. It's not something that's coming 
It is the passing from death to life. By the way, Jesus is just getting started. He's about to announce the details of the resurrection of the dead. Verse 25. I told you it gets good and it gets good fast. Verse 25. And I assure you that the time is coming. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about these guys sitting here and they're plotting how to kill him and he's telling them all these world-changing truths. And, and to some of them, listen, to some of them I believe he's getting through to them. To some of them, they're believing him. And to others, they're just getting more and more and more and more angry. He says, I assure you a time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice. What, what are you going to do, Jesus? The dead are going to hear my voice the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Dead people will live because I speak. What? Who do you think you are? I'm the Son of God. Physical and spiritual life is being revealed through Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. You see, I'm convinced that I, through the Holy Spirit, heard the voice of Jesus. Now some of you, before you start feeling funny, I believe the Holy Spirit still today speaks to the heart of man, communicates to the heart of man. You have an encounter with God, you have an encounter with God through the Holy Spirit. I remember sitting in a room in August of 1988, and the Holy Spirit clearly communicated to terry cooper this either you believe it all or you believe none of it tonight you will decide i didn't hear an audible voice from heaven i didn't hear something that people around me heard i don't think they heard it i heard it i know exactly what he said i heard the voice of christ who spoke the spirit well i thought you said it was christ i did the Holy Spirit is Christ. And Christ is God. They are the same. And those who hear my voice will live. But you have to believe that that voice that night said to me, either you believe it all or you don't believe either you believe me or you're calling me a liar i said that night i believe you i believe you jesus says a time is coming and it's here now see i, I believe that that day before that day to some degree i was a dead man walking i was a dead man walking and then in that moment, he brought me from death and I crossed over to life. And what was it? It was his voice and I heard it and I believed him. It's a physical resurrection that leads to a spiritual resurrection. Believing. A time is coming and I say it's here now. Now, now listen, I wasn't in a coffin dead that night. So it happens to living people. They hear his voice and they live. Because they're 
dead men walking. They're dead women walking. But they hear the voice of life, they believe the voice of life, and they become alive. They cross over from death to life. But you know what? He does it for dead people too. You remember the guy named Lazarus? What got him out? A shot of epinephrine in the chest? What got him out? He's in the tomb, four-day dead, Lazarus. Don't take the stone away, he stinks. What got him up? What got him up, church? The voice I tell you the truth, the time is coming and it is here now that those who hear my voice will live. Lazarus, come out. I can't do it. I can go out to a graveyard and I can holler it out, go stone by stone by stone by stone. Come out. I can't do it. In fact, I'll probably get arrested. Do you believe me? Some of you do. In all likelihood, some of you don't. I tell you the truth. There it is. A time is coming and it is here now that those who hear my voice will live. It'll happen when you're alive. The Holy Spirit will draw you to believe Him. It happened to me. I believed Him. I have already crossed over from death to life. I'm just waiting for a new body to put it in. I've already crossed over. Lazarus, come out. And they were complaining about him working on Saturday. Listen, I want you to contrast the two events. They're complaining about him working on Saturday, and he's saying, I'll go to graveyards and bring people out. Jesus told them, you've not seen nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. You remember the story of the widow son in Nain? He, he, he heard the voice. The dead will hear my voice. Can, can I pause in all this right now? And let me ask you a question. Please don't answer out loud. But I'm going to ask you a really life-changing question. Have you heard his voice? Have, have, you, have you heard him invite you through the Holy Spirit to believe him? Jesus said, no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. That voice is his calling for you. Those who listen will live. Do you hear him? Are you listening? Those who listen. Some people don't listen. Some people have so much noise in their life that they, they don't hear him. Because their life is so noisy. Their life is so filled with junk that it, it drowns out the still, small voice that says, come to me and live. Let me give you an example of Jesus using his voice to raise the dead. Physical, physically dead people. Physically dead people. This is important. I'm going to go to Luke 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to his disciples, with his disciples, to a village of Nain. A large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. So he looks at this woman... 
who only has one son, and he's dead. She's a widow. Her husband's dead, and now her son's dead. Jesus comes upon the scene, and his heart is filled with compassion. He doesn't like death. Death is the enemy he came to defeat. And he says to the woman, don't cry. That's easy for you to say, my son's dead. You ain't seen nothing yet. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearers, coffin bearers, stopped. And Jesus said, young man, I tell you, get up. Get up. Now, now, now if, you're, if you're in the funeral procession that day, what do you think of Jesus so far? Somebody get the police. He's messing up our burial service. Somebody call the cops. Young man, get up. Then the dead boy sat up. Okay, don't call the police. Then the young man sat up. And he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Now, now listen, listen, listen. Do you believe that really happened? I do. I do. I do, I do, I do, I do. I believe that happened. I believe that's his specialty. I believe he loves raising dead people to life. In fact, I'm convinced that's why he came. The resurrection. Now, what's the result of that? He gave the boy back to his mother. Verse 16, great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. Why are they afraid? Great fear went through the crowd. Why would that make you afraid? Why? They have seen a great power. They, you know why it made them afraid? Because they saw a man do what a man can't do. Nobody can do this. No man. They, they just saw a man cross over the red line. Listen, you know what they saw? They saw a man cross over the red line, stick his hand over through the red line, and snatch a guy from death and bring him back across the red line. And nobody knows how to do that. And Jesus says, I do. That's what I do. I don't have a red line. I have the Spirit without a limit. And I can take people and bring them back from the dead. When they saw that power and heard the voice of life itself, look at what happens next. Verse 17. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. If you believed there was a man who cured death that could reach through a red line and snatch somebody back to life, I'm going to tell you what you'd do. You'd tell somebody about that man. Yes, you would. Yeah, you would. Because they did. They'd go tell somebody. Do you know that there's a man who doesn't have a red line? He can reach through the red line and snatch people from the grave. This power of Jesus is bigger than life, bigger than sin, bigger than death's red line. He has the spirit without limit. This power is to judge. Listen carefully. This power is to judge, to render a verdict before God and the throne of God in heaven. He has the power. 
Listen, as Jesus continues his, I tell you the truth announcement in John chapter 5. Let's start with verse 26. The Father has life in himself. Listen, you're not going to get it somewhere else. The Father has life in himself. He is the source of life. And he, the Father, has granted that same life-giving power to whom? His Son. Jesus is a life-giver. He's a life-giver. And he has given him authority, the Father to Jesus, has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. So don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Stay with me. Those, they're going to rise. There's going to be a resurrection. Those who have done good, those who have believed, will rise to eternal life. But those who have continued in evil, they would never believe. They will rise to experience what, church? What? Judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Now, if you believe Jesus' voice can raise the dead and give eternal life, would you care if he worked on Saturday? How'd this story start? He healed a 38-year crippled guy on Saturday, and they just couldn't take it. If you believe that this man is the life-giver, that God the Father, the source of life, has placed the life-giving power inside a man named Jesus, would you care if he worked on Saturday, or would you prefer that he worked on Saturday? You say, listen, listen carefully. What was the problem then? Same problem today. Religion had replaced knowing. Is that true today? Yeah. Number two, doing had replaced believing. And ritual had replaced relationship. Sound familiar? Do you think that's only a problem for those 2,000 years ago? When you really know Him, when you really believe Him, and when you really have a relationship with Him, you will hope He works every Saturday. When you realize who he is, who he really is, you will want him to cross that red line and call your name back from the dead. Now, today, any day is okay with me. When you realize who he really is, let me give you a test. I'm convinced that when you realize who he really, who he really is, you'll go tell somebody about it. I believe you'll go tell somebody about it. Because this is the truth for me. I don't have any problem standing up here and saying it. I was dead. And now I'm alive. I was lost. And now I am fine. I was blind. And now I can see. And the gap between every one of those positions is a man named Jesus who told me the truth. Now, Listen to him again. Verse 26. The Father has life in himself. 
He has granted that same life-giving power to his son. He has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. There's only one source of life, and that's the father. He has given that life to his son. It is a spiritual and a physical reality, both. Jesus has the authority to judge and give life because he alone is the perfect son of man. Don't be surprised, but many will be surprised. He says, don't be surprised at this, but many will be. Verse 28, don't be surprised. Why does he put that in there? Because many will. What? Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead, listen, all the dead will hear the voice of the Son of, of God's Son. They will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Those who have committed, have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Some will rise to eternal life and some will rise to eternal death. And you know what eternal death is? Hell. Nobody wants to talk about it, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Some will rise to eternal life. Some will rise to eternal hell. Will you be surprised? He said, don't be surprised. Will you be surprised? The Apostle Paul describes it like this. What? This resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. It will happen in a moment. Will you be surprised? Church, will you be surprised? Everyone sitting in the room, will you be surprised? If it happened at 2.30 this afternoon, will you be surprised? It'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died, those who have died, will be raised to live forever. Will you be surprised? If it's 2.30 this afternoon, will you be surprised? Somebody will call me about 2.35 this afternoon. Say, were you surprised it didn't? Well, let's see. I don't know. Let's, be, let's see. Those who have died will be raised to live forever. We who are living will also be transformed. Will you be surprised? Caught off guard? The Apostle Paul met Jesus face to face, and later he was taken up into heaven to see things unspeakable. But some of the things... He could actually talk about why, so that we wouldn't be surprised. Let me read that encounter with you. 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether it was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. Do you believe him? I do. But you know what Paul was, was allowed to tell? I can't even imagine what he's not allowed to tell. But I can tell you what he was allowed to tell because he wrote it in a letter to the church at Thessalonica and I got a copy. You do too. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen, what will happen to the believers. Don't be surprised. 
to the believers who have died so that you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and he will come down with heaven with what? Have you ever thought about this? He comes down from heaven with a commanding shout. What's the shout? I don't know. Can I guess? Give me some liberty. Can I just guess? Rise. Your name. He said, Lazarus, come out. Terry, come up. Will you be surprised? He comes from heaven with a commanding shout, rise! Those who believe me, rise! How many people sit in the church and they have no true faith that this is a coming reality? This is not some freakish idea of a bunch of kooks. This is our future. Rise. Is it yours? Will you be surprised? The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And first, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I believe him. I believe him. I'm not sure about the whole 2.30 this afternoon thing, but I believe him. Then we will be with the Lord how long? How long? Forever. So encourage each other with these words. You know, this will only encourage you if you believe it. It won't do anything for you if you don't. Do you? Will you be surprised? Do you believe Paul? Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe the cross of Calvary was Jesus crossing over the red line of death so that he could snatch you from the fires of hell? Call your name into eternal life. That was the cross of Christ. As Jesus called you to come and receive life, Walking dead turned into walking life. This is not about coming to church. Listen, this is not about coming to church and it's not about practicing religion. They were doing that when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda to heal that dude. You see, the problem then is the problem now. Religion had replaced knowing. Religion had replaced knowing. It's in the church. It's a religion that doesn't know who he is. Doing had replaced believing. It would become a ritual. It had become something that I do rather than who I believe. Finally, ritual had replaced a relationship. I want to close today by putting this all together and asking you a question. Do you believe all of this, I tell you, the truth stuff? Do you? Do you really believe this stuff? The world mocks us. Do you believe him? What are you going to do with this man named Jesus? 
Listen, what are you going to do with this man named Jesus that just stands in front of the world and says, I am the Son of God. The Father is the source of life, and he gave me the ability to pass it out. I have absolute authority to judge. I have absolute authority to pass out life. Do you believe him? What are you going to do with him? Have you crossed over from death to life? Verse 24. I'll tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life and they will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed over from death to life. Do you believe him? I want to skip through. I was going to read 16 through 30. I just want to go down to 26. And I'll close with this. Listen. The Father has life in Himself. Do you think there's another source? Do you think there's another place that you can get a hold of this thing called the breath of life? You know what happens to a person when the breath of life goes out of them? They become dead. I've watched it happen on multiple occasions. I've watched people stop breathing, sit at their bedside, and they stop breathing. The breath of life departs from their flesh. It's called dead. Can anybody put that back in? Can you shock them? Can you get an air hose and put it in there? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? The Father has life. It didn't come from chance random processes. It didn't come from evolution. It didn't come from your mama and your daddy. They only passed it on to you from the life giver who gave it to them. God is only source of life. And he put that inside of Mary's womb. Himself. And she gave birth to a son who had the spirit without limit. And God placed himself inside of human flesh and offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of man. And all he asks you to do is believe. Do you? Believe him. Don't be surprised. Church, a time is coming. Don't be surprised. It'll happen in a moment, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Don't be surprised when Jesus comes down from heaven with a commanding shout. Don't be surprised the dead in Christ will first rise from their grave. Don't be surprised that those believers who are still alive are going to rise to meet the Lord in the air. Don't be surprised both the dead and those who are still living will receive eternal flesh and they will meet the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Don't be surprised that many, many will not make it. Don't be surprised. And see, it'd be so easy for me to stand up here and leave that part out. But the Holy Spirit requires that I tell you the truth. And here's the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 7, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that get your attention? It does me. 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I, Jesus, will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Don't be surprised that religion cannot replace knowing. Doing cannot replace believing. And ritual cannot replace relationship. And nothing can replace Jesus. Nothing. Do you know him? Do you believe him? Acts 4.12. It's my theme for Camp Calvary this summer, this verse. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. There is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved. No one else. He's it. If you miss this, you miss life. There is no one else. And I want to, as they're preparing for this invitation, I want you to understand something. This one, Jesus, who has God without limit inside of human flesh. Without limit means he's got more than enough for every one of us. And he puts his presence inside of us. And that presence, him, inside of us, changes us from the inside out. We can't change ourselves. It's impossible. But he changes us from the inside out. How? He does it by his presence. Has he come inside of you? Did you hear his voice? Did he call you out of the darkness into the light? Do you believe him? That's how you do it, by believing Him and responding to that voice. Today, if the Holy Spirit is calling your name, if today is that day that He calls your name, will you believe Him? Will you answer Him? Let's stand. The invitation's open.